Three shots, four part, I just do two, one pup, pop four, birdie, woohoo, new driver, info, replace, M2, pop five, fairway, what you finna do? Think I'll try to get on into, start right, good line, good view, it drew, shoot him McGavin, two thumbs that's up high and two fingers pointed. The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Weir has won the Masters. Sometimes these part three green look like an island. I plunge and keep it on dry land. At least I'm a try man. I'm up with the five and might use the trap man. I got a season two, episode one. Welcome back to Rangers Podcast. Thank you everybody for the continued support. Um, yeah, 52 episodes. We haven't even missed a Friday yet. Bryce, you've been uh, probably through, I don't know, 40 or so of them with me. Uh, thanks for coming along this journey, man. And, um, you're two for three lately in our picks, so I was getting pretty worried about you because you were uh, you were starting to lose the bag a little bit. But uh, going down to the dump real quick. Yeah, you had Kokrak a few weeks ago, and then Victor Hovland this weekend. What uh, what was the secret? Tell me. We we both, you know what? We actually both had a good week. I think I went like T two or three with Sam Burns. I had Morikawa who fell off. Bryson had the lead after. 36 yeah so i was right there and um i gifted it to you so <laughs> why hovlin this week man why hovlin i don't know i just kind of just kind of had a good feeling about him like i was looking at the field it was pretty small a lot of great phenomenal players but for some reason hovlin just kind of stuck out stuck out to me there and i uh just threw him in there for a pick and and uh, like you mean you were talking earlier, he likes that warm climate when those uh all three of his tour wins were all in pretty uh pretty warm conditions. So Yeah. He won the yeah. uh won the Mayakoba and then defended there and now he's won in Albany and uh the Bahamas. So all three mm-hmm. in the tropical weather. So keep that in mind next time we're betting Hovland. He uh yeah. he likes to go over and have a good time in the uh in the nice weather and uh and go low for sure. Um yep. Yeah, so it's uh, this week we have a really cool episode with Ryan Hawley. Um, really, really smart guy. Um, it's always nice when we, uh, you know, we hop on the pod and, you know, we learn a lot, right? So this, we, we've already had the chat with him, so we'll get into it in a few minutes here. But uh, yeah, we kind of, um, Bryce and I might look a little puzzled at times because he's a super smart guy, kind of explained it to us. Had a little run in with Bryson in a Zoom call, so we're going to get into that. But uh, stay tuned. Really cool chat with Ryan Hawley. Um TPI certified founder of this swing, uh, sorry, founder of get right golf, um, head swing instructor there as well. He's worked with Scott Cowks and some of the biggest names in golf. So, uh, definitely go check him out. Toronto, uh, Toronto area born, and he's now out on the West coast out in Vancouver. Um, but yeah, it's coming in the holiday season. So ho, 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 gentlemen, the holidays have come early this year as manscaped have the gift that keeps on trimming. Santa's beard isn't so appealing when it comes out of your trousers. And that's why manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming have you covered this holiday season. Now available in your country, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to keep their trees trimmed and ornaments polished just like Bryce and I do. Go to manscaped.com and use OTS Golf in the shopping cart for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, season 2, Episode 1 kicked it off with a good one. Here we go, Ryan Hawley. We got uh, Ryan Hawley here, uh, founder and swing instructor at Get Right Golf. Um, you're out uh, west, Ryan. Whereabouts are you? Yeah, just outside of Vancouver, a uh, suburb called Maple Ridge, about okay. 45 minutes uh, east of downtown. Very cool, very cool. So you're my TPI certified. Um, you've done some work with Scott Cokes. Um Everybody knows Scott Cokes. If you're listening to this podcast, I assume you probably know who he is. So, um, so yeah, we just, uh, we connected a little while ago, uh, Ryan, thanks for being patient. We've, uh, we've got a couple in the bank here. So, um, you kind of said, you know, let's hop on, talk about the golf swing and 
you know, especially with everything that's going on with Bryson Brooks, the match, everything world long drive championships, uh, ground force is like the biggest topic in golf right now. So thought we'd get you on and, uh, and chat about it. So maybe you can just give us a little intro about yourself, uh, or, you know, of who you are, um, kind of where you started. I know you started out in this area, uh, Toronto, and then you've made your way out to Vancouver. Hopefully, um, we can talk about it, but if you know our friend Ziggy, we had uh, Ziggy Nathu on a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure if you met him. Yep. So, yeah. Yep, yeah, for sure. But yeah. Uh, ma- yeah. So I, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, hop, hop right in. Just uh, let us know who you are and then we can kind of get into it. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I started uh, my golf career uh, professionally in the uh, 2002 range. Um, decided I wasn't good enough to play golf. Uh, lost a go- uh, college scholarship. Uh, opportunity uh, through an injury, so kind of had limited skills and decided I would try the the golf pro thing. I uh, worked at golf clubs for about 10 years, uh, just doing everything, you know, from back shop to associate professional and uh, decided that wasn't really for me. Um, I was more interested in helping players improve and, and whatnot, uh, which led me into a company called The Golf Lab uh, in Toronto. Um, and we were a f- uh, technology-focused kind of business. Um, probably a little bit ahead of our time, um, you know, balance plates um, and all of the the different data capture uh, stuff at the time, TrackMan and, um, you know, AMM 3D uh, technology. And uh, did that for about eight years, um, rebranded as Peak Performance somewhere along the way, um, and then decided to come out to Vancouver and kind of continue down that technology road, but um, incorporating a little bit more of a focus towards ground reaction forces. Um, they're definitely the hot topic nowadays with, you know, like you said, Bryson and Brooks and all the guys who are just hitting it an absolute mile um, and figuring out, you know, how how players interacted with the ground, how those speed pro- profiles were really on the rise. Um, and then even more important, maybe other than speed is to how it really acts as a blueprint for the rest of your golf swing. So being somebody that loves puzzles um, and, and and figuring things out as much as I do. Um, it, it kind of led me down that path to this kind of technical approach. I know Bryce and I are both fascinated with the topic of it, as a lot of golfers are. Anybody who's taking the game a little bit more seriously than uh, than just kind of going out on the weekends is or are right now. Um, so one of the things I want to ask you: so ground force meaning can you can you start off by explaining what ground force is? You'll you'll do a better job of it than I will. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. So the every player. Um, the only external force acting on a player uh, is there is the reaction from the ground. So if we push our foot into the ground at a angle, um, the ground is going to push us back in an equal and directly opposite um, direction. So if we push our foot directly down using say 200% of our body weight, uh, the ground is going to produce an equal amount of force coming back up. Right. Okay. Um, we act in kind of three different uh, directions, kind of up and down. Um, heel to toe and then kind of towards and away from the target. Um, so just kind of figuring out, you know, what, what forces players use. I mean, it's, it's, it literally is the blueprint or the DNA of a player's golf swing, I think. So, you know, I come into your studio, Ryan, and, uh, you had such a great spot. I know you kind of moved upstairs or whatever, but, uh, I was saying, um, we'll try and uh, get a photo up or we'll, we'll link uh, your Instagram. So people can go over and check it out. Cause you had the best ba- backdrop of any podcast guest we've had. You were, you were kind of sitting right in the Bay. It was, uh, it was really cool. So if I come to your Bay and you know, I'm, I'm an experienced golfer, but, uh, 
I haven't worked too much with ground force. I have the idea. I've talked to quite a few people have talked about it, but how do you explain it? Like, how do you explain it to a golfer in person? Like if you want to explain, um, how it's going to translate to my swing, where do you kind of start? Like where, you know, when you're breaking down a swing kind of, how do you take a, a client through that? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think the first thing is client feedback or athlete feedback. Um, it's trying to figure out what they're after, right? Are they, are they looking for more speed? Are they looking to change kind of positions or, or, or posture stuff in their golf swing? You know, what are they after? And if, you know, we'll take speed as an example here. Um, if a player is looking for speed, we can really only, uh, as far as ground forces go, we can really only look at three, the three ones that we, the three planes that we move in. Um, and for some players are going to have really, really high force in one and minimal in other ones, whatever. So the first thing is, does the ground force that they're creating match what their intention is? And if it does, well, we just want to max that force out, right? If they're not getting the result that they want, uh, from a ball flight or contact point, you know, standpoint, um, we might look at adding a secondary force or increasing a secondary force, which will amp up the total overall production. Plus it will most likely put the player in a position to, to deliver the club more in the way that they want to. So, how do so you, it's all about figuring out what, what the main thing is and then go from there, build off of it. How do you guys measure that? If someone comes in and you, that you want to measure their amount of force going in, do you guys have like a mat you put down that has the sensors in it or is it? Like yeah. So I've got a swing catalyst, a dual force plate system. Uh, I think, as far as I know, there's one other one in Canada. Uh, Larry Chung out uh, out your guys' way, or Max way has uh, has one uh, at his studio. Um, as far as I know, that's the only one uh, that's a dual foot uh, dual force plate. So Swing Cat has forever kind of been the leader in the space. Um, they started it with a pressure mat, which was just kind of the the golfer's foot interaction where the pressure was in their feet. Um, I think probably five or six years ago, they introduced a 3d force, which was measuring verticals, horizontals, and torque. Uh, and then just this past January, they released the dual, uh, the dual system. And I, I know there's about less than 10 in North America and Larry and I are, I think are the only two in Canada that have them. Is it, um, is it different than the body track system? Like much different? Yeah, very much. Um, body track is going to measure your pressure and your vertical force. So how, what percentage of your body weight you're pushing into the mat at any one time Okay. where swing catalyst is going to measure the pressure, uh, the vertical force, and then the torque force. So what's, what's creating rotation of the body, um, as well as a side to side, like towards and away from the target force as well. Kind of very interested on, especially like pro level tour level players, but also everyone else, how everyone can have such a different swing and different body motion but yet the outcome is most of the time pretty similar. Um, I mean, fade or draw, obviously, but I mean, the, they're hitting the ball down the middle, but like almost every tour player is a different swing. I just find that so unique and crazy that they can all do the same thing and do it so differently. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's incredible. I think like looking at um, in the news, you know, the new school players, you know, Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa, I mean, you can tell that they were probably influenced by DJ somewhere along the way, right? All that flexion in the lead wrist. And, but you go back in history and you see so many different swings, you know, the, the, the Sam Snead squat, the Jack Nicholas flying elbow, Lee Trevino standing 40 degrees open to a target. You know, there, there's just so many ways to get it done. And, and that's kind of what led me down, you know, the path in my career now is just like, well, well, why? Like what else is a player doing? 
mm-hmm. um, to hit all these really different positions from each other. Yet they're they're all pounding it out there, you know, three plus and um, and and controlling it at high speed. You know, what else are they doing? And I think that's kind of the um, the nice thing with technology nowadays is we can kind of measure and see, okay, well, what what are they doing different? And and does that give us some ideas about if you do X, then you need to do you know the next four things um, because you do that one thing. Where you know if you don't do it, you probably don't need those complementary pieces. So I think it's just all about complementing you know how a player behaves, right? I think Arnold Palmer said it best: swing your swing. Okay. You know, but do you know what your swing is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that at the end of the day, I think is you know an instructor's role is to help players define what they do, not not create a model or. Or, you know, the, the ideal swing, because I don't think that exists. But can we help a player identify what they're going to do perfectly or, or, or have the ability to repeat at a high level? And, and can we help them complement and put pieces in place to, to help that out? So I guess that would all be changed, like yeah. based based on the info that you get from like the swing catalyst, right? Like, so when you when you get that info, you collect all that data, um, do you then like kind of formulate a plan for a player or like a client that comes in? Because like you said, everybody swings a little bit different. You're just trying to enhance kind of the bones or the structure that they have rather than, you know, you're not going to recreate it all together. So is that the idea? You kind of collect data and make their move as efficient as possible? Yeah. I mean, my, my role is a little bit um, even more niche than that, I would say. Um, you know, my, my main day-to-day is helping um, coaches and players um, make data-driven decisions. Right. And so like for the most part, I get coaches bringing in their clients um, and they come with their their client or they send them in and I send them a report after. Um, and they're really interested in in how that player moves maybe why they're making some of those moves. And then, you know, I'll give them my interpretation of that data. It's like, hey, like this, these are the, the kind of tendencies of the player. These are the things that they do well that complement. These are the things that maybe don't work so well, uh, that don't complement their movement patterns so well. But you know, at the end of the day, I don't have any skin in the game when it comes to that player. So I'm not going to tell them that they have to do it this way. Right. You know, under the gun on the 72nd hole of a golf tournament, I don't want you thinking about, you know, ground and reaction forces and whatnot. So it's up to the coach and the player to really develop a game plan based around a tournament schedule or, you know, at, at, at the club level or recreational level around like a club championship or whatever they're peaking for, right? Whatever they're working towards, um, how much they want to use of that information i mean maybe you know a small session with me you know a two and a half or three hour session with me i'll give you the whole kind of you know the ten thousand foot view but a coach and a player might decide only to use the snippet of it because they've only got a month until you know xy you know tournament or whatever right so it just it depends um if it's my player um you know the way that i typically work is i give them every single thing um that way they know what the expectation is and then we slowly piece those pieces together. We, you know, I give them the whole fabric and then we just kind of stitch it together as we go. Um, I think that's a big difference for me is that, you know, traditionally in golf instruction, and I was the same way for a long time, it would be, let's do this piece today and let's do this piece next week and the next thing. But if the player doesn't know why we're putting those together and we don't have a full picture of what it will ultimately be and what we can expect, you, get, you see the player fall off when the performance isn't there. Yeah. You know, if the, if the change in takeaway isn't giving you different ball flight, are you really going to make the change to takeaway? Where if you know if it's just a small piece of a bigger puzzle, I think you're probably more likely to stay with it. 
Bryce, let me uh, let me hop in there for a second. So you just talked about takeaway, and I I've looked on your uh, IG page, your socials a little bit, Ryan, and I I know that you'd worked with a couple of the guys from the uh, PGA Tour Canada. So the um, the top player on the PGA Tour Canada this year, Callum Davidson, is a cross-handed golfer. So it just kind of popped into my mind when you mentioned the the takeaway. Now, obviously, he still gets the job done, and like we talked about, many different players delivering the club in a different way, having similar results. Would that be like, have you ever seen a cross-handed player? Would that be something that would translate much different on the swing catalyst matter? Like in your data? To be honest, I don't know. Um, I didn't get a chance to test Callum. Uh, I saw him up on the range. We, we chatted for a second, but that was about the extent of it. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that the biggest thing that would change uh, via cross-handed grip would be the wrist release angles. Like okay. If you put, if you're a right-handed player and you get that left hand really down on the grip, like underneath your right hand, the ability to um, radially deviate or hinge upwards, I think is going to be crazy limited right mm-hmm. now. I haven't tested a player um, through that. And as far as the swing cat, the ground stuff goes, if we can't load the golf club through our wrists, right, which would be kind of my hypothesis about what a, a cross handed player would do. It would be really hard to do that. We're probably going to see a very different movement pattern. Right. We're probably not going to see a lot of a glide or sliding type of motion because they're going to have a heck of a time locating that low point yeah that's so again hypothesis but you know i I would think so it's super unique and probably doesn't really you know like entail to anybody's golf swing that's listening right now it's very um very unique i just thought like the top player in canada this year was cross-handed and i it just kind of popped into my head when you thought about takeaway and how he somehow he gets the job done sorry go ahead bryce yeah that's uh just add on to that that's insane yeah I to hit a couple balls cross hand, just kind of having fun in there. It's not easy. No, at all. no, absolutely not. But uh, kind of back to you teaching. Um, so you're more or less not trying to make a perfect swing out of a golfer. You're more or less taking what they're comfortable with and just adding pieces to that puzzle, correct? For sure. Just making sure that, you know, the, the, the pieces fit. So like the best way, the best analogy I can kind of use is, you know, if I'm building Legos, right. I played with Legos when you were kids probably. Right. Yeah. If I buy three sets of Legos and I follow like the, the instructions perfectly for all three sets, I'm going to end up with three different Lego sets. Right. And they're all going to be built perfectly. They're going to be exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. But if I take all that Lego and just pile it onto a table and just start building, I'm probably going to end up with something that looks like crap. I think the same thing happens in the golf swing, right? So we take from all these different sources, right? We take from George Gankis or Mark Blackburn or, you know, Jeff Smith and the guys at Course Kings or whoever, right? Whoever's doing a lot of online content. And it's not that their information is wrong or bad, but it might not apply to you. And it might not, um, even if it applies to you, it, it might not work because of these other pieces in your golf swing that you've already put into place. So for me, it's just identifying you know, what, how does, how does a player use the ground? How can they move? You know, that, that TPI background, how, how does a player move? Where are the limitations? Does it match up? How does a player release the golf club, you know, in 3d space and time? And, and can we create this picture for the player, this puzzle for the player where all the pieces make sense? Um, you know, that's what kind of, that's what, in you know, um, is, I find interesting less so than being a coach, right? Like I'm the farthest thing from a coach that you can get. Um, I'm not really invested into the way a player scores. Um, I try to find answers for the player that to the questions that they think um, will make them a better player. So if somebody thinks, Hey, I want to hit it farther. I want to get to 120 miles per hour club head speed because I'm only at 115. And I think that added yardage would, would provide, you know, an easier path. Well, I can teach you how to swing it at 120. 
do you need it? I don't know. That's a coach's responsibility to put it into play. Right. right. Um, so, you know, I'm not really invested into the outcome. I'm just invested into the information, making sure they have the right info and, and applicable info for them. Is there, um, is there a lot of common, uh, I don't want to say denominators, but is there a lot of common things that you see when somebody comes into the lab or into your, uh, into your bay that you think that you can, um, or that you kind of notice that a lot of players have in their movement that you need to kind of have them tweak or move or, or help them be a little bit more efficient with? Yeah, I, I think, I think there's, there's some stuff, I mean, depends on the type of player that you're looking at. Right. So if right. you're good, if you, if you're good enough to have made it onto the, you know, PGA tour Canada or corn Ferry tour or wherever you're a good player, you've got really good movement patterns. We just want to identify some potential leaks in those, in those swings. Okay. Um, I would say the biggest thing that holds, you know, that recreational players do is they're far too static over the golf ball. That would be number one. I, I want to get players moving into the ground, their feet kind of constantly moving. Um, I want to see big counter movements before they start swinging the golf club, because what that helps us do is it, it creates more energy into the system early, which allows us to get more out of it, you know, down around impact where it matters. Yeah. That's definitely me is uh, I'm getting pretty old. Clearing the hips is not <laughs> the uh, easiest thing for me, but um, so do you, you bring like a very unique part to the game. Do you recommend collaborating like with other coaches? I know you've sort of mentioned a little bit before, um, you know, whether that kind of be yourself looking to expand your knowledge, like you've worked with Scott Cowks and a couple other guys. Um, so if a player comes in, you, you want it to be kind of a group effort, a team effort, right. To see that player off and, and have them achieve like the best possible move that they want in the golf swing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know everything about the golf swing. I don't think anybody does. And if they do know, if they do know everything about the golf swing, let's say they're not going to know everything about the short game. They're not going to know everything about putting. It's, right. it's, I think that there's so many things that go into playing good, high level golf is that you need a team of people, right? Like people have made a lot of, they made a lot of money and made a living, a good living out of just doing putting, right? Um, not far from, not far from you, Mac is, you know, Gareth Rafluski, who's one of the best short game coaches in the world. I think he's teaching like 50 LPGA tour players or something along those lines. He's an awesome instructor. Gareth doesn't really talk about full swing stuff at all. Yeah. I just um, saw Bill that he Tenyon. was, I think he was doing uh we've had Mac uh, Boucher on the pod and I think he was doing some putting with him just before he uh, left. I thought they posted something the other day that uh, that name rings a bell. So um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's awesome. And I mean, guys like Phil Kenyon doing putting and, you know, I think it's just really important that athletes and, and, and students know that your coach, probably has a lot of great answers, but probably doesn't have all of them. Right. Um, and you know, for me, it's just all about finding solutions, right. For that, for that athlete, what is best for them and what's best for them may not be coming to see me every, you know, every Saturday at 9am, it might be, you know, doing a one session with me a month and then spending the rest of the time with somebody who can help them, you know, plan their tournament schedule, plan their practice, you know, be accountable to somebody. And, you know, that's, to be honest, not really interesting to me and not where kind of I like to hang my hat. Right. Um, but there's great coaches out there that love doing that stuff. Right. Um, and I think that's important. I mean, you know, I was talking with somebody about this earlier today where if I was talking about coaching and what it felt like to be on the 71st hole of a golf tournament leading by two and what those feelings would be, I'd be a complete fraud. Never yeah. been there, never been good enough to be there. Right. Right. I've won a couple junior golf tournaments and, and some pro-ams and that's about it. And, you know, so anything that I say from a playing standpoint to professionals are playing high level golf would just be, it would just be silly. They shouldn't take my advice for it. 
or advice about it. Um, so I think having a team approach where you've got people who have different skill sets and wear different hats, I think is really important. Bryce, we got to get you on one of these mats. I, uh, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I got to see this data. I got to see Bryce on one of these things. Um, before we let you go, Ryan, can we talk about, um, you had a little, little run in recently with Bryson. Can we, uh, can we just talk about it quick before we let you go? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, uh, so I was on a, I was on like a webinar with a guy named Dr. Kwan down in Texas. Dr. Kwan's probably the leading biomech guy in the world. Um, most of his research papers, uh, Chris Cuomo was involved in, it's, you know, I think number, number two, according to golf digest now, as, as far as instructors go, um, and you know, we were, I think there was about seven of us on the call and after a long week of mathematical equations and, and, and nonsense, um, you know, uh, one of the guys on the call was a guy named Mike Davis, who is Chris Cuomo's assistant and was working at Chris's, you know, his, uh, living room lab. And at the end of the call, uh, Bryson kind of hopped on to say, say, Hey, to Dr. Kwan. And, um, I think Dr. Kwan wanted to give him some advice about his golf swing. Uh, <laughs> telling him he didn't like some of the pieces in it. Yeah, but uh, I wasn't quite privy to that end of the conversation. But yeah, I know he hopped on and said hello. And, uh, looked like he was getting a good sweat on up in uh, Cuomo's place. So, like usual. Yeah, no kidding. He's a he's a beast, man. I think uh, I think he's in for a pretty good season this year. I think so. I was uh, I was following this uh, Instagram page or a thread the other day, and somebody was um, talking about how bad his putting was recently and stuff, and and uh, how he like shank three putts in a row from inside 15 feet and he's a terrible putter from 10 to 15 feet or whatever. I looked up the stat on PJ tour and he's ranked third. I was like, come on. And like, I think it was 2020. He was the first guy to lead strokes gained off the like strokes gained off the tee as well as strokes gained putting. Like, I don't know. I, uh, I, I think what he's doing for the game is good. I, I it's intriguing. It's definitely intriguing, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. And I mean, you look at the putting stuff, right. And, we make these like judgments because we watch it. We watch golf for two hours on a Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he misses a couple of putts, but when you look at the big sample size, I mean, you can't outpace math, no. you know? And, and just cause you missed a few putts that you maybe could have made or should have made probably just means that you're going to make more the next week. Yeah. You know, it, it all balances out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Max, yeah, exactly sure. you said about me on the mat. I don't even know how, how much I use my legs, man. I literally think it's just all my, arms and being lanky and when yeah when ryan when you were talking about the vertical swing i kind of actually thought about bryce because he's oh, it's I, very I much like, an upright but i don't know you just have like your hand position is just so good though i think uh you kind of make up for it but um yeah i don't know we got to get you on one of these things bryce and check it out it'd be sweet um anyway yeah, I'd, I'd love to, i'd love to see the numbers on that i mean if you're hitting at 340 i'd love to see it like that's that's I mean, serious that's, distance. that's going off that's not my stock like that's going after yeah Got to go after it every time, man. Every time. <laughs> if, you, if you're hitting driver, you're going after it. That's the that's the rule for sure. If you got a driver in your hand, you got to be swinging it. I like it. It usually happens. I don't really care too much if I shoot seventy two or eighty two. So I usually just go after it. But, <laughs> no other way. Um, anyways, Ryan, uh, if people want to um, get a hold of your socials and check out your content, um, maybe want to tell us your Instagram or if you're a Twitter guy and. Give us your handle. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's all the same stuff. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is uh, grg underscore Ryan. Um, emails Ryan at getrightgolf.com. Um, can I check out? I mean, I do find Instagram incredibly hard. Uh, you know, to pr- producing content because I do think it's so um, yeah, it's so variable. Players, you know, I, I don't know how you should take the club away from the golf ball. 
I don't know if it should be hooded or toe up. I don't know if you should have flexion or extension at the top of your golf swing. I don't know. Um, we need info from the player. Um, uh, you know, there's so many ways to, to get it done. Um, when I do see people on Instagram posting about, oh, you should do it this way or this way. I'm like, maybe, maybe you should. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a million ways to put together a puzzle for a player. For sure. Um, and there's one specific one, I think, for each player that's going to be kind of their most optimal. Um, and if we can get to the bottom of that, then then it's pretty easy. Well, if uh, if anybody's looking to get a hold of you, Ryan, that uh, could use some help in their golf swing, just scroll below. I'll link everything in the bio below um, and just reach out, whether that be through Instagram, Twitter, or um, you know anywhere else we can get a hold of you. I appreciate you coming on. You uh, know a lot about the golf swing and <laughs> uh, have left a lot of maybes. So if you have any questions in your swing, go reach out to uh, Ryan Holly. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. He's out in my ball and of course when I tee up I lose the ball and I re-up I miss the fairway, I probably end up in the ocean Or maybe the beach and I'm on a part five And I'm finna go reach it Second was blind, I see it Feel like it might be an average I was working scenario